Good evening and a very warm welcome to our evening our worship service. The Lord calls us to worship this evening with these words from Psalm 96. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honour and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So shall we gather together in our opening hymn, which is number 26 in the hymn books and on the screen. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bow down before him. His glory proclaim. We'll stand to sing as the music begins.
Shall we pray? Triune God, we thank you that we can come to you, Father, Son, and Spirit, and worship you in the beauty of holiness. We can worship you for the transcendence of your holiness, that you are the uncreated creator of all things, utterly set apart from all your creation, above it, beyond it, uh, infinitely uh, outside of our comprehension. We can praise you for uh, the purity of your holiness, that you are utterly uh, without sin, that you cannot sin and you cannot be tainted in any way with evil. We can come and praise you for the righteousness of your holiness, that in all you do, uh, you are good. But we can come and worship you because yours is not an austere holiness, but a warm and generous and a loving holiness, a holiness that you desire to uh, communicate to your creatures. Oh Lord, we praise you for the wonder of your salvation, that you, though you are a God utterly set apart from sinners, uh, utterly uh, against sin, yet you are a God who in your mercy has uh, had compassion on sinners, has made a way of salvation, has made a way that our sin can be put away, uh, that it can be uh, swallowed up in the perfection of the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we, though we were far off, can be brought near. And your promise, your word to us, those who trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, is that we shall be holy as you are holy, that we shall bear the beauty of your holiness upon us. And we come and we give you thanks for these things. Oh, Father, we thank you that in the beauty of your holiness, you have set apart a, a holy day. You have set apart a day from the rest when we might draw apart from the world and draw near to you. And Lord, we think of that phrase which has been used in the past of this Lord's Day, that it is the market day of the soul. Oh Lord, we have spent six days about the business of this world, uh, transacting, going here and there, buying this and that. But Lord, these are things that will uh, pass away. They're temporary. They're fading. But we thank you that today, Lord, we can come and we can transact eternal business. Uh, we thank you that today we can uh, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That we can come to uh, lay up treasure in heaven where there will be uh, no corruption, uh, where treasures are forever. And Lord, we thank you that we can come and we can buy without money and without price. And Lord, we praise you that as we gather together, as it were, you set out once again the, the stall of salvation. And we can come and we can take all that we need freely from you through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that as the scriptures are opened up, Christ might be once again set before us. And we pray, Lord, that we might be given an eyes to, eyes to see uh, his preciousness, that we might see in our Saviour all that we uh, need or could ever want, and that we might be drawn to him, and that we might take him up, and that we might make uh, speedy use of our Lord Jesus Christ to grow in grace. Oh, Lord, we pray that you will bless us in your presence this evening. 
Lord, as we've been so diligent uh, to, to procure the things we need for this life, Lord, give us a holy zeal, a great diligence to procure what we need for the good of our souls as we come here this evening. Lord, bless us, we pray. Remember those who can't be uh, amongst us this evening, uh, those who are watching on the live stream, those who are detained because of ill health. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll be near to them. Lord, remember those whose desire has grown cold and they've wandered from this place and from our gatherings. Have mercy on them, restore them, bring them back. Lord, those who come with uh, a burden of grief or anxiety or sorrows that are perhaps not known to us. Lord, you know each one. And we pray that you will dispense a healing balm this evening. That we might be strengthened. That we might uh, find help uh, to go forward uh, another week in your strength. Do be with your people, Lord, wherever they meet together. Uh, We thank you that your eye uh, is upon uh, the righteous. That your ears are open to their cries. However uh, few and small may be the congregations. Yet, Lord, you are uh, amidst your church. And we pray that you'll be building your church and strengthening them. Lord, we pray for those who are persecuted. We pray for those who are perhaps in solitary confinement, even this evening, may be despairing. But Lord, will you draw near to them and make them to know that they're not alone, but that you, Father, Son, Spirit, are with them. And that their, uh, their, their brothers and sisters are concerned for them and praying for them. Will you be building your church? And Lord, will you be uh, drawing others in? Especially, Lord, if there are those here tonight who do not yet know Jesus as Saviour. Oh, Father, will you open their eyes? Will you prepare their hearts? Uh, Will you cause them to see their need and come to Christ? We pray, Lord, for uh, our pastor this evening as he opens the scriptures to us. Uh, Lord, may you bless him. Uh, May he preach Christ to us. Uh, May we be greatly helped and strengthened as we hear your word. Lord, be with each of us that we might give you the praise and the glory which is due to your name. Lord, we do it imperfectly now, but we look forward to that day. We'll be gathered, all of us, around your throne, and we will give you such praises then as are due to you. So be with us and strengthen us, we pray, Lord, as we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once again, a very warm welcome to our service this evening. A few notices. First of all, the Youth Discipleship Group meet tomorrow night at 6.30, um, kindly hosted by Sue Emus at her house. On Tuesday at 10.30 in the morning is the coffee morning, and then Tuesday evening we meet uh, here all together for our Bible study and prayer meeting. Wednesday at 1.30 is the Babes and Toddlers Group, and in the evening on Wednesday at 7pm, Kids Connect. And then the Rooted Group for Teens meets on Friday at 7.15pm. Jeremy is uh, at his first FIC Trust Board meeting uh, over in Market Harbour tomorrow and Tuesday. So we pray that uh, the Lord will bless him there. And then uh, on Saturday at 6.30 over at Ebenezer Old Hill, our friends there are holding their uh, annual creation lecture with uh, Professor Stuart Burgess, who is a Uh, internationally recognised engineer. I understand that he helped the British uh, cycling team uh, to uh, their gold medal positions with his uh, engineering prowess on their bikes. So well worth listening to if you have the opportunity to go to Ebenezer Saturday at 6.30. 
you need any more details about that, do uh, speak to one of us. And then uh, next Sunday, uh, we look forward to holding our usual services uh, in the morning at 10.30 and the evening service at 6pm, which will again include communion. All these notices in the will of the Lord. We're going to have our second hymn now, which is uh, on the sheet and also on the screen. Lord, from sorrows deep I call. Uh, This song of lament inspired by Psalm 42 that will help us to learn to, uh, as we rejoice with those who rejoice, also to weep with those who weep. Uh, uh, Hymn on the sheet, Lord, from sorrows deep I call.
going to have our scripture reading now and we're turning to the book of Acts once again and chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and we'll be reading from verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Acts eight twenty-six. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptised? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptised him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. pray that the Lord will bless his word as Jeremy opens that to us in a moment. Uh, Before he does so, we'll sing together our third hymn which is number 345, if you use in the hymn book, 345. Spirit of faith, come down, reveal the things of God, and make to us the Godhead known, and witness with the blood, our third hymn.
Thank you, Sam, for leading us once again. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, and the verses from 26 to 40. Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. This passage, which is headed in my Bible, Christ is preached to an Ethiopian. And this man believes, and believing he is baptized. Our theme from these verses uh, this evening is what happens when someone becomes a Christian? What happens when someone becomes a Christian? We have in this passage a one man's story, how a certain individual became a Christian. But in this one man's story, we may observe numerous regular ingredients in terms of what happens when someone becomes a Christian. And I hope that this will be helpful for us, whether we are already Christians or whether we are not yet Christians. If you're already a Christian, then as we think from this man's story about what happens when someone becomes a Christian, it will be a reminder of your story. And it will also be a help to know what to look for in others' stories. And if you're not yet a Christian, then as we think together tonight about this one man's story, I trust it will give you something of an insight into what others have experienced and what you may experience too if you would turn from your sin and trust in the Saviour. What happens when someone becomes a Christian from this passage with the Lord's help? We're going to identify five regular ingredients. Number one, Interest, verses 26 to 29. Interest, the man's interest is awakened. We're introduced to the Ethiopian in verses 27 and 28. Philip having been sent by an angel to find him. And there's a lot we don't know about uh, this man. For example, we don't know his name. We don't know uh, what he was called. But we are told some uh, things about him. He was a black man. He was a man of Ethiopia, uh, verse 27. An African who uh, took the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, to Africa. He was an important man. He is described as a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. In other words, he is something like the chancellor of the exchequer to the queen of the south. Now, this woman, Candace, is regarded as a successor of the Queen of Sheba, who we read about in uh, uh, the Old uh, Testament. So she was quite uh, some uh, queen uh, with uh, quite 
uh, some uh, authority. Uh, and this man is something like uh, a chancellor of the exchequer uh, with the responsibility uh, for uh, the treasury. So he was an important man. And he was a religious Man, We are told that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. We don't know the precise significance of that statement. Uh, we don't know uh, exactly how religious this man was and how significant it was that he had come uh, to Jerusalem to worship. But clearly, at least in some way, uh, to some degree, he was a religious man. So there's much we're not told about him, but there are some things we are told about him. He was a black man, he was an important man, and he was a religious man. But most significantly in these opening verses, he was a man in whom the Holy Spirit had awakened an interest in spiritual things. We're told a verse 28 that returning from Jerusalem to Ethiopia, he was sitting in his chariot and uh, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. This man has had an interest awakened uh, within his heart and uh, within uh, his uh, soul. The Holy Spirit has awakened in him an interest in spiritual uh, things. And that's what happens when someone becomes a Christian. We begin to have an interest uh, that we didn't have before in things that uh, we didn't uh, pay much attention uh, to uh, previously. And if we're Christians, we can look back over our story and we can see, yes, there was a time when that interest was awakened in our hearts and, and in our souls. And if you're not yet a Christian, perhaps you can detect something of that interest being awakened in, in your heart and in your life. And if not, then ask the Lord to grant that his Holy Spirit would so work in your heart and in your life that you wouldn't just find yourself in church on a Sunday. Find yourself listening to sermons that go in one ear and out of the other. But that truly an interest would be awakened in spiritual things. In the things that matter most. So that's our first ingredient. Interest. Number two. Search. Verses 30 to 33. Search, because this Ethiopian, this Ethiopian, he isn't just interested, but he is a searching. He clearly has a desire uh, to uh, know more and uh, to understand better. Uh, Philip, at the angel's instruction, uh, comes alongside him and uh, asks him, verse thirty, "Do you understand?" what you're reading. Philip clearly wants to help this man. And that's a desire that all of us as Christians should have, isn't it? To help those who are seeking. That those who are seeking may become finders. To help them to understand the message of the gospel and the way of salvation. So Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian answers Philip, 
How can I unless someone guides me? Beginning at verse 31. He answers Philip's question with a question of his own. How can I unless someone guides me? And he asks Philip to do just that. He invites him, second half of verse 31, to come up and uh, to sit with him in his chariot. And this is a reminder that we all need someone to guide us into the right understanding of God's word. Ultimately, of course, we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot understand the word of God apart from the blessed influence of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is quite capable of doing that directly uh, so that we uh, read God's word. We, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ and his so great salvation. And the Holy Spirit enables us to, to understand it, to, to see it, to, to grasp it without any other human input whatsoever. But very often, the way that the Holy Spirit works, it's still the Holy Spirit that's doing the work, but very often the way the Holy Spirit works is through other people, by bringing us into contact with Christians, maybe in our family, or among our friends, or at the local church, or wherever. And the Holy Spirit uses those who are already trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to point us to him. To explain something more of of who he is and of what he achieved upon the cross at Calvary. And of the so wonderful salvation that he offers to all who will trust in him. So it's Philip's great privilege to seek to guide this Ethiopian in his search. And there in the chariot, in the middle of the desert, riding together, uh, they are are reading in Isaiah. We have this quotation in verses 32 and 33 of our passage, uh, which comes from Isaiah chapter 53, part of the few verses that we read at the communion table uh, this morning. We're told, verse 32, the place in the scripture which he read was this, and here's the Isaiah 53 quotation. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is uh, taken from the earth. And they're reading together, and they're uh, talking uh, to, together. But we're making this point at this stage in the narrative. That this man, he is searching. He's not superficial. This interest having been awakened, he is searching. He is not superficial. Rather, he is serious. He wants to know. He's willing to be taught. He's determined to discover. And it's wonderful when the Lord gives such a desire to an individual. Again, if you're already a Christian, you can look back over your own story and you can see there was a time when it was true for you. And you launched your search and perhaps you began to seek and very quickly you found. Or maybe you were seeking and you were searching for a long time, but eventually you found what you were looking for in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And if you're not yet a Christian, then as interest is awakened in your heart and in your life, you need to search. You have a desire to search. You seek that you might know, that you might be taught, uh, that you might discover. So that's our second ingredient. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? Number three, encounter. We see in this passage interest, search, but also encounter. Verses 34 and 35. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does the prophet Isaiah say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. I love that 35th verse. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. You see, we need to understand that the great encounter in tonight's passage is not the Ethiopian's encounter with Philip. Yes, that is remarkable in its own way and we're not, uh, we're not taking away from that at all. But the great encounter in tonight's passage is not the Ethiopian's encounter with Philip. It is rather through the pages of scripture and uh, Philip's proclamation of the gospel, the Ethiopian's encounter with Jesus. His encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the great encounter. That's the big thing that's going on in tonight's passage. So in verse 34, the Ethiopian asks his question to Philip about Isaiah, this quotation from the 53rd of Isaiah. He asks, is he writing about himself or about someone else? It's as if the Ethiopian is saying, I, I, can, I can understand the words on the page, but who's this all about? Is this about Isaiah? Is he talking about himself? Or is this uh, about someone else? Is he talking about someone else? Give, give me some help here, Philip. Who's this all about? What's this all about? And so what happens next is verse 35. These wonderful words. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. I don't know about you but I'd have loved to have heard uh, that sermon. I'd love to have heard Philip there in the chariot as he began there in Isaiah 53. And he said, no, Isaiah's not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the Savior. And not only is Isaiah talking about him here, but there are all these scriptures and they're all in different ways talking about him and pointing to him. No doubt Philip would have spoken to the Ethiopian among other things about how this Jesus is the son of God about how he is the savior of the world about how in fulfillment of prophecy he had been born as a baby in Bethlehem and then wended his way to the cross at Calvary that there he had been crucified and buried but risen again and ascended up on high that this one of whom Isaiah wrote and to whom the scriptures testify is the Lord of glory and the only 
a saviour of sinners. And so as Philip waxes eloquent about the saviour, it's as if Jesus is in the Ethiopian's chariot. Not just the Ethiopian uh, and Philip, and maybe there were others there, servants and the like, hanging around either in the chariot or uh, outside the chariot. But it's as if Jesus is in the Ethiopian's chariot. For the simple reason that by his word and by his spirit, Jesus is in the Ethiopian's chariot. As he and Philip read the scriptures together, and as Philip explains and applies the message of Jesus and the way of salvation, Jesus by his word and by his spirit is right there with them in the chariot. And the result, it becomes clear, is that the Ethiopian comes to faith in Christ. This black man, this important man, this religious man, this man in whom interest has been awakened, this man who is searching, seeking in order that he might find, he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ by his word and by his spirit, and he comes to trust in him. Encounter. What a wonderful encounter. The best of all encounters. And if you're already a Christian, you can remember a time in your life. Maybe it was recently, just weeks or months ago. Maybe it was years or decades ago. But there was a time when you too had a similar encounter. You may not have been riding in a chariot through the middle of a desert. But you had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Like this man, you didn't see him in bodily form. But by his word and by his spirit, he came to you right where you were. And it was as if he was standing in front of you. It was as if he was sitting next to you. He seemed more real than the preacher or whoever was near you at the time. And you looked away to him. And you gave him your heart and your life. And you trusted yourself to him for time and for eternity. And friend, if you're not yet a Christian... This is the encounter you need. It's good to come to church, but coming to church won't save you. It's good to hang around with Christian people, but hanging around with Christian people won't save you. It's good to listen to sermons, but just listening to sermons won't save you. You need not just an encounter with Christians, or an encounter with a church, or an encounter with a preacher. You need an encounter with Jesus Christ by his word. And by his spirit. You need to see that he's the one that you need. He's the only one who can help you. He has lived and died and risen again in order to save you. He is able and willing to forgive you. To reconcile you to God. And to give to you everlasting life. And you need a personal encounter with him. Are you still with me? We're thinking about what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Regular ingredients, whoever or wherever or whenever. Number one, interest. Number two, search. Number three, encounter. Number four, profession. Profession. Verses 36 to 38. 
The Ethiopian has another question. There are quite a few questions in our passage. Philip asks the Ethiopian questions. The Ethiopian asks Philip questions. That's how to make progress in life, isn't it? To be willing to ask questions. And so the Ethiopian, he asks another question. Verse 36. See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? There they are in the desert. Not always a lot of water in the desert, but whatever they've got to, they come up against water. As they went down the road, verse 36, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And uh, Philip's answer uh, to the Ethiopian is uh, very uh, clear, simple, straightforward, uh, to the point. Beginning of verse 37. Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian's response is equally clear, simple, straightforward, and to the point. Second half of verse 37. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so with that, the chariot is stopped. Verse 38, And Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized our Ethiopian friend. You see, this man, he has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and having come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires to profess that faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he does so the way that Christ himself ordained that we should. By being baptized. And so as Philip baptizes the Ethiopian. This is no mere ritual. But it is the Ethiopian's way of nailing his colors firmly to Christ's Mast of demonstrating in practice in verse 38 what he has already stated in principle in verse 37. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Notice this man's profession here, evidenced in his baptism. There are a few uh, aspects to it that we can just touch on briefly. He says, I believe. He speaks by way of personal conviction. It's not just, well, many people believe, but it's, I believe. I've come to this point in my experience where I can say, I believe. And as well as being personal, it is Christ-centered. I believe that Jesus Christ, central to this man's profession of faith, is Jesus Christ. This man isn't possessed by what he has done or by what he's going to do but he's possessed by what Christ has done and that is his hope and that is his confidence and that is his trust it's Christ centered it's all about the person and work of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Saviour it's personal I believe it's Christ centered Jesus Christ and it's all encompassing 
I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's no bold, vague statement. But in the context that encompasses a a, a laying hold of all that Philip had preached to him. All that Philip had proclaimed to him. It's all that Christ is. All that he's done. This son of God become man. Who has lived and died and risen again. Who is able to save and willing to save. I believe this Jesus Christ. I take this Jesus Christ to be my own. I stake my all. My everything upon He's my Lord and my Saviour. He's the Saviour who gave himself for me. He's the Lord to whom I now give myself away. And again, if you're already a Christian, you can remember a time in your life when you were led to that point. It may have been very sudden and very dramatic. It may have been very gradual and, and very quiet. But however sudden or however gradual, you came to a point where you could say what you couldn't say before. You could say, I believe. And you were in no doubt about what you believed in. More than that, in whom you believed. It was in Jesus Christ. And you didn't just believe in him a little bit. But you believed in him a whole lot. And you trusted all that you are. And all that you have to him, just like this man did long ago. Profession. That's the evidence that someone has truly encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly come to faith in him. They desire to profess his name. To say, I believe. To nail their colours firmly to Christ's mast. And if the Lord has worked in your heart and in your life, then that's what he's calling you to do. Not to be a secret disciple, but to come out into the open for Jesus Christ. To say, I believe. To follow him through the waters of baptism and to be added to the local church. Profession. But there's something more in our passage. We can't stop here because the passage hasn't stopped Uh, quite yet so we'll keep going for a few more minutes we're thinking about what happens when someone becomes a christian interest search encounter profession and number five continuing continuing verses 39 and 40 verse 39 begins now when they came up out of the water And we're told in these verses 39 and 40 that when uh, Philip and the Ethiopian came up out of the water, two things happened. We're told what happened to Philip. We're told what happened to the Ethiopian. Regarding Philip, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. He was there and then he was gone. The Spirit of the Lord took him away. And he was no longer with the Ethiopian. Instead, we're told in verse 40, he was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities 
till he came to Caesarea. That's what happened to Philip. What happened uh, to the Ethiopian? Well, we are told, verse 39, second half of the verse, the Spirit of the Lord having caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, he, that is the Ethiopian, went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. There was a joy in this man's heart. He had come to faith in Christ. He had professed his faith in Christ. He was heading home a new creature in Christ Jesus. There was a joy in his heart. There was a spring in his step. There was a determination to live for Jesus Christ. We don't know exactly what that would have meant for this man as he returned to Ethiopia. As he returned among his fellow Africans. As he spoke to them of this Jesus of whom many of them may uh, never uh, have, have heard. Perhaps there was still some uh, knowledge from the days of the Queen of Sheba and her visit to King Solomon about uh, Jerusalem and about uh, uh, the Israelites and about the promise of a Messiah and so on. But, but this man goes to, to live among those who knew little or nothing about his saviour. But he returns among them. With joy in his heart. A spring in his step. And a determination to live for Jesus Christ. We know nothing more about him. We're not told anything more about him. But this passage leaves us. Delighting in God's grace towards him this was a man who had encountered jesus by his word and by his spirit this was a man who had professed his faith in the savior this was a man who had a joy in his heart and who was determined to live for jesus christ and if you're already a christian then you've had that experience too and I trust that is still your experience. That you find a joy in Christ you can't find anywhere else. That even now, even if you've been saved for decades upon decades, still the very mention of his name stirs you deep within your soul. And you have a determined resolve to be all that you can be and to do all that you can do for your blessed Saviour. And if you're not yet a Christian, this is what Christ calls you to. Not just that you may have interest awakened, though that's where it begins. Not just that you may search, but you must seek if you would find. Not even just that you would encounter, that you would encounter Christ for yourself and turn in faith to him. Not even just that encountering him, you would profess his name, but that you would continue. That you would keep going. That you would press on. That with a joy in your heart and a spring in your step. You would live determined. To honor Christ. And to point others to your savior. That he might be their savior too. So as we come towards the close this evening. Let me ask you a personal question. Where are you in tonight's? passage where are you it may be that you haven't yet got to point one 
because I spoke about interest. And maybe if you're honest with the preacher and more importantly if you're honest with yourself, in your heart, in your life there is no interest. Or you're in church but you'd say, don't let that fool you preacher. There's no interest. Oh, that the Holy Spirit might do for you what he did for our Ethiopian friend. That he might awaken an interest in your heart and uh, in your soul. That you might have an interest you've never had before. But perhaps, maybe you've not really seen it this way until tonight's message. But perhaps there has been an interest awakened. Or there is an interest being awakened. You're beginning to feel a way that you've never felt before. Oh, thank God for that spiritual interest. And be determined to search, to seek, to find, to discover, to give yourself no rest until you find salvation, until you find the Savior. And if you're searching, or that you might seek, and that seeking you might find, that you might have an encounter, like this man had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus, by his word, by his spirit, as you read the scriptures, as others help you to understand them, as you listen to sermons, that the Lord may so reveal himself to you. In his saving power and glory. That it might be as if he's standing in front of you. As if he's sitting next to you. As if he's putting his arm around you. That you would encounter this Jesus for yourself. Maybe you have encountered him. Or even now you are encountering him. Or that you might be led on to profess his name. To come out for Jesus Christ. And to say as this Ethiopian said. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he's everything he ever claimed to be. I believe he's everything the scriptures tell me that he is. I believe he's everything the preacher has ever told me that he is. And far more besides. And this Jesus must be my Jesus, I believe, and do as he commanded, and follow through those waters of baptism, and be added to the church, and numbered among those who publicly profess the name of Jesus Christ as Saviour and as Lord. And then, perhaps you've done that, continue. Keep on keeping on. That's what the Christian life and Christian service is really all about. It's about putting one foot in front of the other. Very often in Christian life and in Christian service we want to know what's round the next bend or what's coming up in a few years time or uh, what God's great plan is for our lives. But really it's quite simple. He wants us to keep putting one foot in front of the other in faith and obedience, following him wherever he wants us to go to do whatever he wants us to do. And maybe 
Maybe it's a long time since you first experienced all these things. Since that interest was awakened and you began your search. And then you had that encounter with Jesus by his word and by his spirit. And you professed his name. Maybe, maybe you've got a baptism certificate from long ago and it says 1950 something or whatever. When many of us weren't even born. And then you began to continue. And by God's grace. You're still continuing. And oh may you ever continue. Keeping on. Keeping on. Being kept. Persevering. All the way home. To glory. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? Well we've seen something. Of what happened. In this man's the story. And we're saying there are ingredients here. That are there. In the story of everyone. Who becomes a Christian. And there are many here tonight. Who could say yes. By God's grace. To his glory. These things have been true. For me. An unsaved friend tonight. These things can be true for you. What Jesus did for this man. What Jesus has done for so many of us. What Jesus has done for countless numbers of people down the generations and across the nations. He can do for you. And he can do it right here. And he can do it right now. As you look away from yourself to him. As you cry out for mercy. As you pray with one of all God be merciful to me a sinner. And he reveals himself to you. In all his grace. And in all his glory. And you say for the very first time. I believe. I believe. I believe. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn is 525. If you're using a book. And we're singing this hymn, O Happy Day, that fixed my choice uh, to the tune with the chorus, which if you're using a book is printed at the end of the hymn. We sing the chorus after each of the five verses, O Happy Day, O Happy Day, when Jesus washed my sins away. The closing hymn.
Now may God be your exceeding joy, Christ your unfailing hope, and the Spirit your unfailing comforter in all your worship and work and troubles until Jesus comes. Amen.